I can get my sound going on here. What a blessing. Thank you for joining me uh, this this pre-4th of July evening, right? I've, I've seen some interesting things on the internet over the past few days. And, and as a person that didn't grow up as a Christian... I mean, I'm straight Gen X. I grew up as a feral kid in the in the wilderness of Kansas. And yes, if you can see that, those of you that are um, on video, uh, that that definitely is a big gouge in my forehead. And we'll get to that. That's part of my feral Kansan coming out. No, actually, we had some dogs that were born um, last Fourth of July. It's their birthday. And I was playing a victim on the bed. Oh, don't eat me. And all like five of them jumped on me. One put his paw right through my head. They love to play. They're a year old. If you want a lab German shepherd mix, I still want to get rid of them. Don't have puppies. Don't have puppies. My kids, they talk me in there like that. You got to let Nova, our, our German shepherd, have puppies. You got to let her have puppies. She's got to be able to procreate and fill the earth, dad. Don't, don't teach him Genesis 1 if, if you're going to have dogs. No, I'm just kidding. But um, she did. She she escaped and got pregnant uh, with our neighbor's uh, black lab, which would have been adultery punishable by stoning. No, I'm just kidding. So we have these puppies and they attacked my head, but we had a good time because it's their birthday. It's 4th of July. And you're with me here on the Last Day's Emergency broadcast. And it's been like a month and I get this. And I know some of you are mad at me. And there are people that are saying they're not going to watch anymore because I'm not consistent. But, you know, I've been telling you that we've been waiting on this funding. And, um, yeah, things are getting where they need to get. Because I think as we carry on into the 2024 election cycle, there there will be a strong importance for there to be non-polarized voices. And when I say non-polarized voices, you may look at my my Twitter, you may go <clears throat> to the last day's emergency broadcast where I'm pretty quiet, but you know, go on last day's 2030 or even my, my therapist site. And yes, I do work in a, in a crazy industry uh, where I believe that natural medicine is the solution for the poisoning for the, the um, uh, pharmacological poisoning of the world, right? Not just America. When you're talking about one out of six People on some sort of psychiatric, uh, pharmacological intervention, drug, meth, uh, SSRIs, um, benzodiazepines, tranquilizers. I think there's a problem when there are, you know, St. Teresa in the Roman church, right? And Hildegard of Bingen. And these older Roman <clears throat> Christians, right? After the split, after the great divide, after the great schism, you had people like Hildegard that was really close to the schism time, but that she believed in, in natural medicine, right? Look up Hildegard of Bingen. No, she's not an Orthodox saint, but 
She was a woman that loved God in the context of her culture that I believe can happen, that I believe is an orthodox position. I believe, as a matter of fact, they got a book, right? Where is that book? Right behind me, I believe. And it's actually the book. Wait, where is it? I got to find it. Where are you? Where are you, O Seraphine? I don't have it right here. Oh, there it is. I'm going to grab it. This book right here, Christ in the Eternal Tao, led me down the road to orthodoxy. Why? Because if you look at my leg, there's a tattoo of a Chinese symbol by a tree. When I was a young man, grew up on the streets and all the death and damage, destruction that I saw. And you're like, yo, man, you're white. Like, trust me. (laughs) Right? It's not... Poverty is not just racially divided. I promise you of that. I spent from 13 years old to 18 years old on the street. Seeing some crazy, crazy things institutionalized in the foster care system without ever committing a crime, right? And out of that darkness, I began to philosophically think. I began to ask myself why I'm allowing these people to incarcerate me to judge me, to destroy my life, to lock me in cages. You know, when I was 15 years old, I'm going to tell you this story. When I was in 15 years old, I got in trouble in this small town in Kansas while I was with my mom, but I was in the the Department of Children and Family Services foster care system. And it caused such a hubbub in my little town because people got involved and I was involved in gangs as a kid growing up on the on the street and if you don't if you don't know about the midwest in the 90s and the the bloodshed the the gang warfare that occurred look it up it was no joke it was nothing like today see a lot of gangsters don't roll like they did back in the 90s today because of rico act and other organized crime legislation but back when i was a kid it was common just to spray somebody's house down and 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 some of the worst places was kansas city St. Louis, still are. Chicago, the Midwest, right? Gangster Central. And you have this little corn, wheat-fed little kid that gets sent into the foster care system penitentiaries um, because they didn't have foster homes to take him. And you put this kid in cells with, with gangsters and killers, people that that just had no value of life anymore. The gang was their life. That was my parent, right? So when I was 15, and I don't even know if this stuff can happen today, but my mom said, she said, I can't take it anymore. Every time he comes home, there's some kind of drama, which was true. You know, kid grows up on the street. What what do you expect, right? So the police took me and they took me to an adult police station. And they couldn't put me with the adults, but it was back in the day where the closest juvenile detention facility was 80 miles away. They didn't know what to do. So they made room in a storage closet, storage closet that had bars. It it, it had once been a cell, but it had become a storage closet. They moved everything out and they put me in there. And I spent 30 days in solitary confinement, 30 days. I want to imagine if you have a 15 year old child in your life, 30 days in solitary confinement. 
And I still remember the conversation to this day that happened when they finally found out I was in there. What had happened is my mom thought I had went back in foster care. And a lot of times me and my mom banged heads. We didn't talk. So we wouldn't talk for months at a time. She thought, you know, the, the social services took me back to a foster home. Well, the social workers as incompetent as they still are in this, uh, you know, child trafficking environment that we live in under the Department of Children and Family Services thought I had went home, but they didn't feel like, you know, actually following up. So for 30 days, like go look at the research on on what solitary confinement does to adults. But for 30 days, these dogs dogs are getting crazy. They want to come scratch my head. No. But for 30 days, I spent in there trying to cope with my existence, right? And so as I was growing out of that suffering, I got into Taoism. I got into Alan Watts. I got into all of these counterculture philosophers. And it was by going inside into my spirit that I survived that time, that abuse as a kid. And unlike others, I didn't go to the gangs. I, I, I still did. I lived on the street. I did what I had to do to survive. But when I was 18, something happened where I read this book about Taoism. And I don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life where you've had, you know, non-pharmacological, non-psychedelic cognitive shift where, where a thought, a philosophy, a book, something just hits you so powerfully, you felt your whole being shift, your whole understanding change. That was me at that time. And Taoism did that where I began to understand. Now it made me a worse person. But it began the philosophical journey that took me to begin to, to ask myself about suffering and morality and the things I see in this world and the corruption and the evil. And I was very anti-Christian. And then about eight years ago, I saw this book and I was like, Christ in the eternal Tao. And you're like, where are you going with this, Seraphim? I'm, I'm going with the story that, that there are good people out there that follow Christ that may not be orthodox they may not be currently in your church they may not be as in your opinion um, adequately following christ but the orthodox position on that is that god is at work and that we're not to try to hinder that work that god is doing in people's lives and if 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 people are naming the name of jesus in sincerity god will take care of them and for those of us that are in the church, that is our focus, us, our church, our growth, our deification, our illumination. We're, we're not Protestants. We don't go out beating the gong. But I saw this book and because Father Seraphim Rose, God bless his soul, I, I pray for his uh, canonization to be Saint Seraphim. And in a lot of ways... My name is Seraphim. When I was baptized, it was really in honor of Seraphim Rose, but he's not hes not a saint. So currently it's Saint Seraphim of Seraph, who also is uh, an amazing saint. But my point is I've been watching all these, these different Christian, let me move this a little, Twitters lately, man, and, and looking at the evangelical wasteland that I came out of, you know, of, whoa, let me switch this here. You know, 
20 years of evangelical wandering, I call it being a wilderness Christian, always in warfare, always in battle, seeing the church splits, loving Jesus with all my heart, but not understanding why things were so broken. And what I've been seeing today and over this weekend is just heartbreaking because 20 years in that wasteland, man, I was a street preacher. I came out of Taoism when I hit Christianity. I was at the end of my rope. I was looking at life in prison. I, my life was a wreck beyond uh, um, any salvation from any human being when Christ reached in and, and began to change my life. And then allowed me to go through this 20 years of evangelical wasteland where I've been to every kind of denomination that you can imagine. I've been to charismatic churches, Wesleyan churches, holiness churches. I've been to name it, claim it, prosperity churches, Baptist churches, independent fundamental Baptist churches, SBC churches. Like if you name a church, I've probably connected somewhere as I was going through this wasteland going, why is everything the same? Why is everything so negative? Why is everything so imploding? And this generation of evangelicals that we are seeing right now, they are so bad. They even hate themselves, right? These people calling themselves the new evangelicals, which I tell them you're just the old evangelicals, except the difference is the old evangelicals, people like, like Jerry Falwell, <laughs> You know, I graduated from Liberty University, but he was a culture warrior, right? Pat Robertson, people look at him now, he's like a corpse with too much plastic. You know, Pat, you got to know when to retire, brother. You got to know when to just go into a monastery and serve the poor. He's like, you know, he's total, like half zombied, right? But he was a culture war. Focus on the family, James Dobson. We should have known the culture war in America was completely lost, when the ministry that James Dobson focused on the families started to help preserve families when he got kicked out of his own ministry, right? People said, you're just too radical, James. <laughs> you're out of here. Why? Over, over sexual issues, over homosexuality, transgenderism, right? Which I don't even know if I can say these words without the AI censors coming in, but I'm going to try. Because we're entering into a time... And as I've been watching this weekend, I have never seen a generation of American Christians that were so weak, that were so self-hating, self-loathing. That's like the new strategy of the new evangelicals, the new Baptists, the new Mormons, the new Protestants is to be self-hating, self-loathing until you allow something that's so contrary to the historical church to take place in your church that you are a fallen vessel, that you are a broken stronghold. That's all I'm seeing everywhere. Answer me this, where are the Christian leaders of this generation? You, you tell me who it is. Send me an email. Give me a phone call, right? Who are the Christian leaders of this generation? Because when I was coming up, even though I was in a, a Protestant wasteland, there were strong voices in those Christian communities, people that were not afraid to call sin, sin, people that were not afraid to challenge error, people that weren't afraid to logically debate and break down doctrine, even though they were wrong. I get that now, unfortunately, unfortunately, but fortunately, because we're, we're watching the free fall of Western American Christianity and it's good. 
It really is because it's so damaging and it's so disconnected from the true early church, right? But I don't see any of those voices, none. Like who's prominent even in a lot of Christian men, Jordan Peterson, he's not even a Christian by profession. If he is or not, he won't tell you it's a secret, right? But he'll go on Dennis Prager's, you know, the, the Daily Wire, not pro-Christian sites and, and try to create this, you know, Judeo-Christian hegemony that doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as Judeo-Christian. There's Christian and there's Judeo. There, there is no difference. I mean, there is no similarity. Because we serve one God and one church and, and one baptism. And even to say that is considered hate, right? We are in the most crazy 1984 environment that I've ever seen, which is why after journeying through my own journey and doing these podcasts for a significant amount of time, I recognize the only way to combat error in this generation is to go back to the roots, to go back to the ancient things where goodness lies and to begin to look at what the church really has been. Because for a thousand years, the church was one and it worshiped as one. The evangelicals, they, they take this historical tactic to keep you ignorant where they say, well, the early church for the first couple hundred years, they were on fire for God. And then Constantine the Great ruined it all. And then the church was total poop until the 1500s in the Reformation. Then we fixed it. I mean, that is literally their, their high-level overview of Christian history, and it's a complete and utter lie. Uh, evangelicals are the great apostasy. Protestants are the great apostasy. When Rome chose to leave the church and gave birth to 40,000 children known as denominations, that was the beginning of the end. But for a thousand years, and I will say this every episode if I have to, for a thousand years, the church was one and it worshiped as one. And it was liturgical. It was Christocentric, meaning Jesus and the communion with Christ was central to Christian worship, not the teaching and preaching of men, anathema, right? As soon as we brought in the isms, the Calvinisms, the Lutheranisms, the Wesleys, Naming, naming whole churches after men, which is like the, the epitome of arrogance. Remove Christ and I follow Saul, I follow Paul, I follow Peter. Even the Bible says that's carnal, but we still do it, right? Because of this false history. And so because of people like Seraphim Rose that said, you know what? Outside the church, we have no judgment. If anyone came up to me and said, Seraphim, how, how do I find salvation? I would say be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the Holy Spirit and you do so in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that has apostolic lineage, that has that continuity through the laying on of hands that from me goes to my priest, to my bishop, to my bishop, to my bishop, all the way back to Peter and Paul. That touch has echoed through history onto my shoulders. And that is genuine and authentic apostolic Christianity, right? But I'm watching this stuff all weekend and how people are like, 
I was the guy that walked across the country to protest the Christian war of the, you know, the Christian support of the war in Iraq, got kicked out of my Christian university for it. And now everybody, everybody, you know, I've, I remember standing up in Baptist churches during 4th of July when they would say the Pledge of Allegiance and me and my buddy would stand up and say, you are idolaters. You should pledge allegiance to nothing but Christ alone. And they would physically throw us out. But we were like the few. But see, now there's so many that get this, but they're going so far to the left. They're actually abandoning Christianity entirely. And they become these like simp, apologetic, weak theologians that are even weaker than the the soy boy, latte, coffee drinking evangelicals of my time. That they hold no position besides they're wrong and that Christianity is hate. And if you look at what they say, that's all you will hear from them. They are sad, depressed like pastor's kids. And that is the leadership in the Western church in America right, right now. If I am wrong, send me an email. Send me an email to LLC at gmail.com and send me a strong... And I'm not talking like, like the, the racist... Baptist, Rob, you know, what's his name? Pastor Roberts or whatever. No, Andrew Anderson, Pastor Anderson. Oh, he's vile. He's like this vile pseudo fundamental Baptist racist. That's not Christianity people. Okay. There is nothing of Christianity in that besides they use our text for their cult. That's it. That's it. They have no historic continuity. If you look at the first thousand years of Christian history, they would fit nowhere. If any of the apostles walked in their church, they'd be like, we don't know who these heretics are, but they're not Christian. And they would walk right out the door. And I'm not being judgmental in saying that. That is the truth. That is a fact, right? And so I'm watching... Just all the America hatred. France is on fire. America is being run by a puppet government of people that want to kill you off with experimental medications. Like, we are there. We are there. And so the most important thing that we can do, the most important thing that we can be in this day and age is to be actual, genuine, authentic Christians and to understand what that means and to be plugged into our history and that apostolic power. And it's so confused out there that when I talk like this, people say, oh, you're Catholic. They're fallen. They worship Mary. And I'm like, no, you know, no. Catholic is not a church. Do you understand that? Catholic is not a church. It is a state of the church. There is no such thing as the Catholic church. That's a lie. The Romans who try to assume that title of the church, the Catholic church are actually the first Protestants. They are papal Protestants. They left the church and they have created this mess that we've seen known as the great apostasy. And so as I was thinking about what I can do like, cause you can't argue with these people. We're at an age where I saw a teacher post. She wanted to quit teaching. And this is why she said she was talking to a student and they were talking about world war two and how awful it was and racist it was. 
and it happened somewhere in the mid 1800s with World War One, and she recognized that these kids have been so intentionally dumbed down in our society in our day and age that that we can't even reach them with the basics. We have to start over. They've been so propagandized. They only know how to shriek and scream and rage and burn. That is the spirit of Antichrist. Rebel. They don't know how to have a cognizant conversation without needing their medication. They don't know how to be challenged in their thinking without crying and saying they feel threatened. And that is the scariest, weakest type of people that we could ever engage because there is no hope for them. There's no hope in the sense that they, they are incapable of changing their course and way of being saved for the grace of God. And maybe that's all of us. It is all of us. And so we're not going to logic our way out of this. We're not going to apologetic our way out of this, evangelicals. You don't even have any good apologists. Most of them are half atheist and they hate Christianity and they hate themselves and they're pro everything that the church isn't. They want to destroy the patriarchy when I, I, I hate to break the news to people, but Christianity is a patriarchy. We are the last remaining true patriarchy on the earth that will remain until the end. It will not be destroyed. And everyone that has ever tried to destroy it has destroyed themselves. And so we just need to stand and witness. See, we're not here to convince the world that God exists. That's not our job. We are here to be witnesses that God is. And as his word manifests in the world, as those of you who embrace sin in all of its fullness and justify it as good are, are perishing, that we're there pleading with you and showing you the way out of those chains, even if you want to kill us. And we'll let you. Because when our number is fulfilled, that's what the book of Revelation says in the in the the seal where it's opened, the lamb opens a seal and underneath is all the martyrs that have come out of the great tribulation. They say, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? And he says, until your number is fulfilled. There's a number and world eventually you're going to reach it. And hallelujah, it's over. I think of the psalm, it says, when you see the wicked spreading like a green shrub, don't even worry about it. It's God is allowing them to manifest so they can all be wiped out at once. But see, this isn't an us versus them like the communist have or, or the socialist have or, you know, the, the super gender activists have. It's not us versus them like that because any of you, any of you can wake up that Christ until the end will be holding out and saying, come to life, come to resurrection, come to be restored, come to be transformed, come out of the darkness, come out of your chains, come be a child of God, get your robe, get your ring. Let's have a feast. Come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. When all of these other groups, they don't, they don't have that. 
If you don't, if you don't fit their agenda, they will wreck you. And even if you do fit their agenda, eventually they'll wreck you because Satan will always betray you always. So I'm a little fired up today because honestly, I'm not a 4th of July guy and I've never been. I think America was a troubled state. America was a Masonic state. Democracy in our democratic republic was a Masonic enlightenment attempt to seize control of the patriarchy. Because what did we have prior? We had the monarchy. See, you can pervert whole bunches of people and get... You know, a hundred people loud enough to outshout 50 people and seize control of power, which the early American founding fathers said was tyranny by mob rule. It was uh, two sheep, or I mean two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Democracy. You always see these people saying democracy, 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 democracy is evil because human beings by nature are corrupt. And so when the loudest corrupt people, uh, take control, then what you get is, is castrating children. That's what you get. And then you get told that you're evil if you don't support that. And that is, that is just wicked. I can't believe I live in an age after going through the age I went through where people like Joe Biden would say things like, you know, you know, a family is a man and a woman and challenge anything outside of that spectrum. And now they're literally publicly chopping children up. And I mean, literally chopping them up, permanently scarring and destroying them. And the vast majority of Americans do nothing, nothing. And so what do we do? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Your children are going to be destroyed because you've let it happen. And the wicked, you won't propagate because you've been poisoned by your government and you've allowed it and you thought it was good and you're all going to die within five to ten years. And those who know and those who resist, we're going to suffer. But glory be to God, may we do it in a way that continues to bear the witness of the kingdom of Christ and against this transhumanist, satanic, world economic form, antichrist, world religion garbage that they're trying to bring and it's coming fast. And so how do we get past it? Because like I said, you know, people, we we can't argue with them. They don't, they don't even have the bandwidth. They don't even have the capacity to have a conversation anymore. We don't have free speech in America. If you disagree with the powers that be and their foot soldiers, they will show up at your speech. They will assault you, attack you, silence you. It's it's a civil war and they've already started it. Go back and listen to the next American Civil War podcast that I've put out because it's happening right before your face. But here's the difference. As Christians, we're not taking sides in this. They want us to. They want to call us white supremacists. They want to have us align with these forces that they can demonize. But, And that's what we're going to read today in the DDK, in chapter 4. We're going to read that don't be a respecter of persons. Don't take sides. Whether it's the right or the left, they are both equally evil. And that's going to make some people mad, but it's true. 
if you have a right wing political faction apart from being biblically rooted, you have fascism. The communists aren't wrong. They're absolutely right. Any right wing government to the extreme apart from Christ is fascist. Actually, I got the great book. Oh, no. I'm going to show you this book because I want you all to read it. Hold on a second. I'm going to grab it. Bummer. I left it in my truck. <laughs> but it's called fashion of Fascism from a Christian Perspective. I'll share it next week, right? What's going on here? Has my sound been that bad? Oh, Lord. But anyways, um, no, let's get back over. Hello, 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 hello. There we go. And so to the right wing, that that is the ultimate outcome. It's fascism. They're right. And to the left wing, it's communism. Both of it is a dictator, you know, a dictatorship, dictatorial type of lack of freedom control of people's mind thought will and emotion and they are both evil trump if he is not a sold out christian is a devil and you could say well they're against abortion well they're against this i'm sorry that is the lie that has sucked every believer into some institution or or anti-christian agenda from the beginning We don't mingle with this. And over the next year, I don't know. I truly believe, here's my warning. If you're listening to this, if you're hearing this, I believe that sometime soon we're going to have an internet attack, honestly. And what it's going to do is it's going to shut off people's ability to communicate because they're going to say it's because of a solar flare or a terrorist attack. And then you're going to have to do the... Rona ID thing, they'll reframe it as something different and you're going to have to put all your identification and information on some sort of of ID card to even allow you to enter the internet, but then the real censorship is going to begin. They're not going to let this day of of Elon Musk who I don't even believe is honest about who he is he wants to put you know computer chips in people's brains and you know this is a guy that if you're driving his Tesla and you piss him off he can shut it off what do you think he's going to do when he puts chips in your brain like people even thinking about that it's beyond me I don't even understand why you're trying to kill yourself so fast why why do you hate yourself so much what is it about your life that is so miserable I know what it is. You need Christ. You need to be able to plug into the spirit in a way that's transforma transformational in this world for you. All right. So here we go. I was thinking about something earlier. I'm going to read this from the Septuagint because... The Septuagint is the Bible that Jesus read, not the Masoretic text. The Masorets who hated Jesus. Oh man, I just had a pen. I'm going to read this to you. It says it different in this verse, but in 
Isaiah 59, he talks about the state of Israel and he talks about how those who depart from error, they make themselves a prey. The wicked will hunt them just because they, they refuse to be part of the lie, right? And so I started reading this chapter and I thought I wanted to share it. Then we're going to go through chapter 4 of the DDK. But Isaiah 59 says, Is the Lord's hand unable to save? This is what we need to remember as we go through this, Christians. There is nothing that these devils can do that are not a destruction to themselves and their seed and their history and their future. It will not harm us. It will not hurt us. But it will destroy them. And if that's what they choose, so let them plead with them, but they will destroy themselves. But the Lord's hand, is it unable to save? It's not. Is his ear so heavy as not to hear, but your sins stand between you and your God? That's the only thing that stands between America and her God is their sins. I don't even have to name them. Many of them are so flagrant. Open worship of Satan. Murder of babies. The destruction of the biblical family. I mean, it's not hard to figure this out. And he turned his face from you because of your sins, so as not to have mercy. God's face is turned away from this country. For your hands are defiled with blood. You want to get God's face turned away from you? Defile your hands with blood. Become a murderer. Become a child murderer. Become a, a NATO hired gun to murder and oppress nations. Your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with sins and your lips speak lawlessness. And your tongue plots wrongdoing. No one speaks righteous things. Look at our TV. It's all filth. It's all antichrist. It's all a perversion of the beauty of the creation of God and the pinnacle of that creation, which is you. You are the image and likeness of of the creator they want to demean you and dehumanize you get you to cut your face up and file your teeth to look like some freak alien with tattoos all over your face no one speaks righteous things nor is there true judgment meaning you can't even get justice in courts does that sound familiar they trust in worthless things things that can't bring them life prosperity or peace and they speak empty things. I was watching this the other day and it was like this. This like demonic. Pro Skittle Mafia type of sermon, right? And they were saying all these words like righteousness and truth and justice, but it was just empty words things that they didn't even believe in and you could see it coming from their mouth it was like it was outrageous man that people can't see the emptiness of those things you go to the national cathedral in washington dc go watch a, a christian service there and you will see an empty shell an empty husk of what christianity used to be in this country and all their words are vain, they're platitudes. They say things like tolerance and diversity and justice and goodness and judgment. And it's all baloney, it's all fake. 
They trust in worthless things and speak vain things, for they conceive trouble and give birth to lawlessness. We'll leave it there, because we ain't got a lot of time. Go read Isaiah 59. It was a prophet speaking to a country that had completely abandoned God. And that's why I'm doing this series on the Didache. And when I get to the Didache, I'm going to go to the Apostolic Constitutions. And I'm going to go to the sermons of John Christosom. And I'm going to go to the early church fathers. And I'm just going to read these texts to you. And I'm going to define words because they've, they've made it so hard for people to understand how these ancient ones thought. So that you can clearly see what the early church thought and believed, what Christianity actually is and it's not my opinion you're just reading the words you're just being illuminated by god in in the early church because here's one thing so you know i've been getting you know significant amount of views i mean not like like tucker carlson or a million you know, but for someone like myself thirty thousand forty thousand sixty thousand views it's it's significant because i think there's pastors that don't even have churches that big and that it is uh, definitely something that uh, that I need to bear as a treasure and understand that I'll be held accountable for these words. And that's why I want the words to be of, of the early church. But here's the one thing. So this guy gets on, he says, don't listen to the Didache. Like, how do you even know that scripture? That's not even anything like scripture. And I was like, there is not one, nothing that I'm going to read as we go through this podcast is going to be something that's disputed. It's not going to be the Gospel of Thomas. It's not going to be Gnostic works. It's not going to be people like Tertullian that's not necessarily considered a saint or origin who castrated himself, got a little wild in his Christianity. It's going to be what is the Orthodox faith. What is the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generations of Christians and and the challenges that they came across as, as the enemy tried to pervert the image of God, the understanding of God, because it's hard for people to go out and read this stuff. So I want you to be able to read it with me and send me questions and ask me questions and to really get this ancient path in your heart, this spirit of that age of catacomb Christianity of martyrdom Christianity of the suffering church the beautiful suffering persecuted undefiled church and what they believed and how they practiced and how it is so alien from 99% of you as it was for me and even could be offensive to some degrees because it's so alien from your Christianity. Give me a second here. And so now that the funding is coming in, I am definitely going to be doing more and more of these shows. And promoting this material because I know that I know that I know that in these this next year and a half we're gonna see our whole worldview change. We're gonna see a shift 
that I, I may or may not be able to broadcast to you all. It's coming. I promise you this. And I'm going to tell you how we're preparing. Because the only real way to prepare, I don't care if you're a prepper or not a prepper, the only true way to prepare for this is to spiritually prepare. That's why I'm building a chapel on my property where I can hold daily prayer services. There's nobody out here. I'm not doing this for anybody's visibility. I'm doing it because I know when what's coming next, when what these devils are going to unleash upon the world. And while people are wondering how to even get to church, I'm going to have church on my own property. I'm going to hold the prayer services out here. As I work through my ordination, I will hold that chalice high because that is the only hope for what's coming upon the United States of America and the world is the chalice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and period. All right, let's get to our text. I'm going to put a pause on here for a second. Let's get our, oh, there's my chat box. Get down there, chat. Dun, 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 dun. All right, give me just a second here. You know, in twenty twenty. I graduated with my master's degree in counseling. And I always knew that most in the psychological field, it's, it's, uh, let me go back over here. It's a religion in and of itself, right? They have their own popes and their own bishops. It's the licensing boards. They have their own doctrine in their Bible. It's the DSM. But I did understand there was some wisdom in those things and in, in identifying people's behaviors and how they suffer. Kind of like Buddhism. I always thought like Buddhism, Buddha was like the first pure psychology before the people perverted it into demonism and idolatry. But the, you know, there's two branches of Buddhism and the pure form is just about the mind and understanding suffering and how to contain that, right? So there's truth in all of these things. That's why Seraphim Rose right wrote the, the Christ in the Tao, that he recognized that Lao Tse and Taoism really truly through the Tao understood the unknowable essence of God, right? And that we're, it's not our place to judge these people. You know, people come to you all the time. If you're a street preacher, or you're, you're a preacher and they say, well, well, what's going to, what's God going to do with all these Chinese people that, that have never heard the gospel? And I always tell them, well, that's not you. God is going to deal with every person justly, fairly, in love, mercy, and judgment, and they will get exactly what they deserve or what they don't deserve, in the sense that salvation is free for all who choose to take it, and those that don't, he will depart from them because they ask him to, and in their free will, he will honor that, and that is hell. That is hell. I was reading a... a, a a thing from St. Teresa of Avila, and she's not an Orthodox saint, but it was a very interesting vision of hell and the torment that she was allowed to experience. And I've had something similar, nothing like, I'm not trying to compare myself to her, but a vision I had of, of the suffering of hell at one point in time when I was a very early Christian. 
and that it's self-imposed. It's not that people can't repent. It's that they refuse. You see that even in this world and in our life, people that are miserably suffering, people that we, we try to pull out of the dregs, we try to pull out of the ditch and they slap our hand, they stab us and they rob us and they don't care. And they stay in that state eternally. But what I do know is that God has brought me to his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I know that this is the true historical expression of apostolic Christianity, that my patriarch is in Antioch where we were first called Christians and that lineage has been passed down, that fire, that anointing has been passed down from priest to priest to bishop to bishop till I can reach back and touch Paul, just like the Antiochian village while back, I touched a, a relic. What is a relic? It's a piece of a saint. Why do we do that? Because we're touching back in history. And it was of Thecla, equal to the apostles. This teenage girl was so holy. She lived in the wilderness. She, she could have been married to fame. She scorned it all. They tried to rape her. She ran into the mountains. Thecla, my sister. And we have relics because I can reach back and recognize she was a a human being like me. She was a person struggling for God and for holiness. And it's real. It's coming soon, people. Chapter 4. So mind you, here, here's what I was trying to say is there is no scholar on the planet and I don't care what. So when that guy, when I was sharing this video and he was like, that's not the word of God. We, we don't have to listen to that. There is nobody who disputes that this is an ancient Christian text and was probably spread about in the church by Christians, right? This isn't like Gnostic stuff. This isn't like Mormon stuff or Jehovah's Witnesses. This was the teaching of the 12 to the Gentiles. This was sent out to rural churches. So if you want to get the mind, the phronema, the mind of the church in the time of the first century, this is part of that. My child, thou shalt remember him that speaketh unto thee the word of God night and day. Thou shalt honor him as the Lord for one. Who are they talking about? <clears throat> They're talking about the bishop. We are a patriarchy. Christianity, the Pentarchy, five patriarchies, Alexandria, Constantinople, Jerusalem, Rome, Antioch, that was the Pentarchy. That was the five patriarchies that ruled Christianity for a thousand years. Constantinople, the two... Well, they say it's the two Romes, the two capitals of Rome, but actually Constantinople. Constantinople was the capital of Rome for the majority of Roman history. And then go look this up. World War I began the destruction of the Holy Roman Empire. Look it up. Russia. Russia in the early thousands took over the place of fallen Latin Rome to be the Holy Roman Empire. Just type it out, Holy Roman Empire, Russia. Go to your TikTok, go to your chats, look it up. It's real, right? 
And see, back then, these these superstar pastors, these American pastors, they're weak. Whenever they say things like, don't follow me, follow Christ, follow Christ right out their church because they're liars. Because here we are commanded, the bishop, the presbyters, the priests, to remember them, to think on them, to obey them as if we're listening to Jesus ourselves. We... America and its Masonic rebellion is such a crazy country because it's like, it'll say women submit to your husband. Like I'm not submitting to nothing. We like husbands submit to Christ. I ain't submitting to nothing. Families submit to your priest. I ain't submitting to no priest. It's all rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. Yet God has this tiered level of authority of submission one to another that we don't even see in this day and age. Everything is rebellion and scoffing and mockery. But the early church, the one that spoke the word of God to them, who would that have been the prophets that would have been the priests during the homily and the liturgy that would have been the bishop who his job is to teach the word of God, that they were to remember him, that they were to listen to him as if they were listening to Jesus himself. Do you have someone in your life? Do you have someone in your life, a spiritual father, a spiritual leader that you can listen to as if Jesus was speaking to you? I will promise you that 99.9% of American Christians have none, nor would they. That is the spirit of pride and Protestant evangelicalism. For whensoever the Lordship speaketh, there is the Lord. The Lordship is the bishop the patriarchy, all this arguing about women ministers, it's moot. Women, go minister. Go be pastors. You cannot be a bishop. It's not your role. Nor will you be. And that's okay. I'll never have a baby come out of me. No matter what people say, it will never happen. No matter how much I want it, it will never happen unless they create such a, a medical monstrosity that they make it possible like, like doing some kind of uterine implant into me. But in the natural state, I will never experience the beauty of womanhood and motherhood ever. Does that make me less than you? Absolutely not. And you will never be my bishop. Does that make you less than me? Absolutely not. It's crazy how we even allow these conversations to happen. 4.3. Moreover, thou shalt seek out day by day the persons of the saints that thou might find rest in their words. Do you? So the one thing I always hear from the Protestants and from the evangelicals is, is like, like uh, you worship saints, you worship Mary. No, no, we don't. We seek the words of the saints. We seek those who have gone before us and have been glorified and deified. Those that who even after death come back onto this realm like Jesus did and work miracles and speak to people. Because once you pass from this life, you pass into a deified state. And there are those and, and, and people say, oh, you know, we're all the same. But that's not true, right? Because your brother that's a crack addict that goes to church once in a while, when you're looking for someone to pray for you, when you're in a, a desperate time, you don't go to him. You go to your pastor. 
You go to people that you believe and see are walking out that true faith, right? You go to them because you believe that through that obedience, through whatever's happening in their life, that they have a stronger connection to God. And you see that sometimes, and that is the saints. Guys, this is the first hundred years of Christianity. What saints are they? The sanct- we are all saints in general. All of us are sanctified. But there are those in your life that if you're a Christian and you're a faithful Christian, you have people in your life that you look at and you aspire to. You go, man, I know that person is doing amazing things for God. Every time I come into their presence, I feel the Holy Spirit. They speak into my life. And if you don't have those people, you probably don't even have a church. You're out there alone because that is the model. So go seek the persons of the saints. Go mark the godly man. Go to the the saints. Go to Thecla. Look her up. Thecla equal to the apostles and how she scorned this world. Simeon the stylite. St. John, who we commemorate today, of Shanghai. And the miracles. St. Seraphim of Serov. Seraphim of Platina. Go look up Nikiforos, Nikiforos, the the leper behind me, St. Moses, the black, or St. Moses, the strong. Go look up these saints and their struggle and their life. Thou shalt not make a schism. What does that mean? You won't make a separation. The one fruit of Protestants that are children of Rome, Rome schismed, split from the patriarchy, And Russia took Rome's place and the Franks destroyed the Latin church. And from Rome, because that was her sin, that was her error, her schism, her her refusal to hold on to the true doctrine of the church, all of her children do the same. See, there wasn't a reformation in the East. We didn't have a reformation. Only the Catholic Roman church did. I don't even want to call it Catholic because it's not. It's the Roman church, the Frankish church, the Popish church, the papal Protestants. They're the only ones who had a reformation because that is the spirit. Jesus said, you know a tree by its fruit. And the fruit of the Romans is splitting, splitting 40,000 denominations of people saying, you're not like us. We're going to split from you. But the early church said, don't do that. Don't make a schism 4-4. Let me get back over this here. But thou shalt pacify them that contend. We work for peace in the church. Thou shalt judge righteously. Thou shalt not make a difference in person to reprove him for transgressions. What does that mean? That means whether he's a Republican or a Democrat, if they support non-biblical family and sexuality, you rebuke them both. It doesn't matter. You don't hold your tongue. You don't hold your tongue for one group because they're mostly conservative. And, and then the other group you, you, you berate online, right? Anyone that promotes div- divorce or perversity or violence or things that are not Christian or schism. You, you don't separate based on politics, based on philosophies. You judge righteously.
Thou shalt not doubt whether a thing shall be or not be. Be not thou found holding out thy hand to receive, but drawing them in as to be giving. Now he's moving into giving. These are the ends of the the ways of death. If you're stingy, if you don't give to the poor, if you see people in need and, and you worry about your bills, your things. The one thing that every Christian should be known for is a radical hospitality. That if you don't have that, I'll give you an example. I knew this Christian. This was crazy. I went out, we went out and had lunch. And this man tipped this waitress at this Mexican restaurant. It's a marvelous Mexican restaurant, Colorado Springs. Pretty, pretty high end, right? It was a great meal. And I came back there two weeks later, and that waitress was still holding that tip in in her her tip thing, in her in her waitress order taking thing. And she walked up to the table and she said, Sir, I am sorry you made a mistake. And she put the money back down. She had been holding it for two weeks. You accidentally gave me too much. And he said, No, I, I made no mistake. That is yours. It was such a radical generosity that even the person that received it didn't even believe it was real. Can you imagine holding that money? And I'm not even going to tell you how much it was. I was pretty shocked. And I was like, but that's what he does. That's what he did to just radically be gracious to people all over the place. I seen him, uh, I was out with him and this guy, uh, said, Hey, sir, you dropped something. And he turned around and there's a hundred dollar bill on the floor and it was his. And he said, Oh man, maybe I thought you dropped that. And the guy said, nah, I'm not going to be that lucky. And we walked out the door and the guy went back and I found out later the guy went back and he gave the hundred dollar bill to that clerk. And he said, you are that lucky. And he walked away and that ain't much. Those are small things, but it's like this radical generosity that I've seen from these men that they don't care. They don't care. And people want to go to watch Andrew Tate and his Bugattis and his patheticness as he sits grounded in Romania, accused of horrible crimes, and all he cares about is himself. Can you imagine how threatening people like Andrew Tate could be to the the dark kingdom if he just began to give away his wealth, if he just began to promote true godliness, if he just began to try to pull people out of suffering and sin? They would kill him. They're not going to kill him now. Because he's not even a threat to them. He's actually helping their problem. Okay. So that's what he means. Be not found holding out their hands. Don't be out there asking for help. You need help. You're having trouble paying your bills. You want your student loans forgiven. But someone comes up to you and they need $10 and you're being greedy and you won't. Don't don't be that person. That's what he says. If you have aught passing through thy hands, thou shalt give a ransom for thy sins. Let's go read this in a different one. Okay. Whoops. Okay. Let's go read it in a little more English-friendly version. I like this legacy icons. They make some great. They make some great holy images. We'll go over here to to four and what he says. Where is he? Where is he? Here he goes. This is what he says. 
Do not be double-minded when you consider whether or not a thing should be. Like, be solid in what you do. Do not hold out your hand to receive, only to pull your hand back when you should give. If you have gained something through your work, give it away as a ransom for your sins. What kind of Christianity is that? Do you hear that? You know, from Elevation Church and the, the Southern Baptists, that if you're blessed, go out and just give it away. Go out and bless other people for a ransom for your sins. They said, oh, Jesus ransomed my sins, so I, I ain't doing all that. My salvation isn't from works. You ain't got no salvation if you're not out there being radically generous, loving people, being patient with people, speaking the truth, suffering for righteousness sake. Also, he says in 4.9, you shall not hesitate to give, neither shall you murmur when giving. I'm going to tell you what this guy, this guy's a mentor to me. He carries wads of dollar bills, right? And I asked him, why do you do that? And it's because there was this rabbi in New Jersey a long time ago that they even thought was like the Messiah, like Rabbi Schneerson or something like that. But every time people came to him, and he would see thousands of people a day, um, he would give everyone that approached him a dollar bill. And this man said, if this man as a Jew being, you know, confessed as the Jewish rabbi could give something, something to every person that came to him that had material value, why as Christians can we not do the same? And so when he's out, every single person that asks him, every homeless person, he'll at least give them a dollar. He'll have that stack of cash just for that reason. So he doesn't turn his head away like I've seen so many Christians do. But every single person that comes up and asks, and, and sometimes I've seen him give 100, 200. I've seen him get motel. I've seen him do crazy things. And this guy is not rich. But he's shown me what radical giving is. He has shown me how to stay in this perpetual state of giving and love for people. And that is genuine Christianity. And I'm not saying that makes him a super Christian and that you have to do it the way that he does. But when I watch him, remember back here where it talks about the saints, right? And listening to them and watching them. I consider this man definitely operating or trying to as a saint. And I watch him do these things and it's not like any other human being that I've seen. I want to be like him because he wants to be like Christ. So if you don't hesitate to give, don't hesitate. If somebody comes up to you and asks you and you all you got is $20 in your wallet, give it to them. And stop your self-justification of, well, I, I don't want to contribute to their drug abuse. Once you release that money, it's not your problem. What the real reason is, is for your own your own greed, your own pulling back your hand, you don't want to give them something. You want to use their weakness and and their their moment of brokenness to justify yourself while condemning them. Just give it to them. Just give it to them. Here's what I'm encourage you to do. You're going to take your wife out. I want you to take a, just a 
decent wad of bills, fives, tens, twenties. And if you're going downtown, you're going out to a nice place to eat and you see it, don't, don't, don't go out there and be flagrant about it. But you watch and you pray as you're walking and you're loving on your wife and you see people, you see someone there broke it and you see someone out there and they're just devastated by the enemy and you go up and you look them in the face and you love them. Even if it's a small thing, give all that money away. Do that. Do that and watch and see what God does in your spirit. Excuse me. Four ten. For thou shalt know who is the good paymaster of thy reward. Christ's going to keep pouring into your cup. Why? Not so you can be a name it, claim it preacher and go fly around in your jet to preach the gospel so that you can give more. The more you give, the more he's going to give you. That's the truth. And I'm not talking about giving to the church. A lot of my tithe goes into this chapel that I'm building because I'm building it unto God. I'm not going to profit from it. That's not the purpose. I think you should tithe to your church. I think you should do it in secret. And then I think you should take other money. And you should give it away. Knowing that the more you do, the more Christ is going to pour out on you. And I can tell you, I've seen it and it's true and it's real. And I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I promise you nothing that you give out to the poor will Christ not return to you so that you can give to more poor, not so you can have a jet, but he'll still bless you where you can have all that your heart's desires. And the more that you give, the more he will give because all is yours and all is mine. 411, thou shall not turn away from him that is in want. You kind of see the pattern here. In some of this, he's talking about Christians. Don't forsake your brother, but others he's saying, everyone is made in the image of likeness in God. Do not turn away from him that is want, but thou shalt make thy brother partaker in all things. Now he's saying, Christian, if you got poor people in your church, if you got people in your community that worship with you in liturgy and you know they have needs and you have the, the ability to meet that need and you don't, you're sinning. And I'm telling you that and I mean it and it's the truth. Not that you should feel compelled to give because if you do and you do it out of hardness of heart, you're still sinning. But maybe God gave you that which you have to give to them to test you and to bless them. And he'll raise somebody else up to bless them. He'll raise somebody else to, to have their overflowing cup pour out on them. See, that's where the name it, claim it people, the Joel Osteen people of the world, they're not incorrect. That the more you give to God, the more he gives back to you. But where they are incorrect, they say, give it to me so that I can have my mansions. I can have my jets. No. We give it to the poor. We give it in alms. We give it to our brother. We give it to people that are desperate. We give it to people on the street. We pour out, pour out, pour out. And the more, not only spiritually, but materially, with money, with goods, with our life, with our time. Thou shalt not turn away from him that is in want, but thou shalt make thy brother partaker in all things. Thou shalt not say that anything is your own. They had all things in common, but they weren't communists. Communists are Satanists. They had all things in common in, in that they understood that all things are from God and that some lack and some have a lot. And when you bring all those together, everybody has everything they need. 
But if you don't address the sin nature of man, if you don't address that that aspect of man that is that is wicked and selfish, like communism didn't, it just creates a system of death. Because anything that is outside of Christ is a system of death. Man, I don't think we're going to... Oh, no, we'll get through four. Let's read the rest of this. For if you are fellow partakers in that which is imperishable, how much rather in the things which are perishable? It's nothing, guys. Get that water dollar bills and everywhere you go, you give something to someone and you look them in the eye and you tell them you love them. Don't preach to them. Don't tell them they need Jesus. Just say, hey, man. You know, I watched this guy, I watched this guy say this to this, this one homeless guy and it blew my mind. I'm sorry, I'm teary tonight because our country's on the brink. When I think of these people, it challenges me to my own holiness. But he looked at that guy, and I've seen so many Christians when I was at a street preacher, and they'd start preaching people, why are you out here? Why aren't you on drugs? Judging people, blah, 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 right? I got caught up there. And what he told this homeless guy when he gave, when he gave him that money is he said, "Brother, will you pray for me?" And I said, "What?" And he said, "Even if you don't believe in God, will you just will you just say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on?" And he, and he told him his name. And when we left, I said, "Why did you do that?" He said, "Because I want the mercy of God, and I want it." those prayers to come out of those who I bless. So he approached that man as a broken sinner. He didn't preach to him and he gave him out of his abundance and then said, will you please pray for me? Like you got to find people like this in your life. All right. Where were we at? How much four twelve and the things which are, Oh man, I'm not even, you guys can't even read with me. In the things which are imperishable, how much rather in the things that are perishable? Thou shalt not withhold thy hand from thy son or from thy daughter, but from their youth thou shalt teach them the fear of God. Uh, it rolls over to that, just basically saying, don't, um, don't leave your children to these groomers. Don't leave your children to these atheists. Don't leave your children. Stop it. Stop taking money over the souls of your kids. Start fighting the fight, even if you have to be poor, because you will be rich and God will bless you. And I think it all comes together. He's saying, if you give to the poor, if you give to your brothers, if you tie to your church, if you become an overflowing cup that's that's pouring out into other people's lives, you don't neglect your own children. You fight for them all the days of their life. You don't just give them up when they come up and they say, I'm gender confused or I'm this or I'm that. You fight for them. You love them. You spiritually fight for them. You teach them the fear of God. 4.13 Thou shalt not command your bondservant, your slave. That's what this means. It's all you uppity people. He's talking about slaves in the Roman Empire. Or thy female slave in thy bitterness who trust in the same God as thyself, lest happily they should cease to fear God who is over both of you. So how do we translate this in this world? Your employees. Some of the worst people in my life have been those that were Christian bosses. 
that were the most abusive, hypocritical jerks I've ever met in my life. As a matter of fact, when I do business with people now, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is they're a Christian. I'm like, I got to watch you. Because if you're using that to sell yourself, it's because there's some dark stuff there. And so treat those that, that may be your employees. Treat those that may be underprivileged near you with love and respect as those who are made in the image of God. But at the same time, 4.15, but you servants be subject to your masters as to a type of God in shame and fear. God is not about revolution. God is not about overthrowing the power structures through violent revolution, which I know is going to make some people mad. We overthrow it through our obedience, through our love, through our giving, through our love for one another. We reject their system of death. 416, you shall hate all hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's acting. It's wearing a mask. And everything that is not pleasing to the Lord. How do you figure out what's pleasing to the Lord? You read the Bible. You read the saints. You find holy people in your life. You give. You let the Holy Spirit be poured out upon you. 417, you shall never forsake the commandments of your Lord. What you find in context of church, all these people today, they're like, I'm spiritual, not religious. I don't go to church. You're lost. You are lost. Hear me. You are lost. If you are not connected with the church, you're not even operating as a Christian. Get into church. Serve your brothers and sisters. You say, oh, it's all full of hypocrites. Good. Well, that gives us opportunity to challenge our own hypocrisy. Right? The more struggles we have in our fellowship, the more we see our own weakness and hearts and gossip. And we need to come together and commune with Christ for the first thousand years. Liturgical worship, the center of Christian worship was communion with each other and with Christ. And then these Protestants come in and like 1500 years later and they remove Jesus from center and they put preaching as center. And that's where you get all the Calvinisms and the isms and the Wesleyanisms and the Lutheranisms and the isms, the evangelicalisms. It's not about Jesus and Jesus isn't center. Teachings of men, doctrines of men, theological debates. That's why it's always so just toxic and exhausting because it's not about Christ. It's not about communion with each other. It's about intellectual wrangling. That's that Western papal Protestant 40,000 denomination crash into the earth, the great apostasy. 418, but thou... But thou shalt keep those things which you have received, neither adding to them nor taking away from them, from the scriptures, from the church. In church, I want to say this again, in church, you shall confess your transgressions. If you're not in church, how are you, trans, how are you talking about your transgressions? How are you confessing your sin? There is no such thing as an unchurched Christian. If you are not connected to a fellowship of believers in your community, you are sitting. You are separate from Christ because Christ is manifest in the body of Christ, which is his church, where you play just as significant of a role in there. Even in all your weaknesses, you are invaluable, invaluable 
invaluable that God has given you gifts, whatever they are, to that community of believers to bring it all forward in the fullness. That that without you, it's like a chopped off arm. So stop making excuses for why you abandon the people. This is all we are going to have. Didn't you learn that from the Rona lockdowns? If you don't have strong fellowship with believers, you are going to be isolated alone and they, the wolves are going to prey on you because that's what they do. They're wolves. They're going to isolate you, prey on you. And we have very few strong leaders in the spiritual world right now from any sector. They're all with their eucumenical councils that aren't even real. They're, they're, World Council of Churches, prayer meetings with people that are completely opposite in their doctrine, which they're basically saying by doing that, my doctrine and your doctrine doesn't matter because we're both wrong, which is why we can pray together because it's just our opinion. But that is not the truth of the gospel or the Christian faith. And the, and the sad thing is, I've been, I've been holding back a lot because of being in the the psychology profession because working in the space that I'm working, which I know some of you may object to, but if you really knew what I'm doing and why I'm doing this, and my belief in natural medicine, you would understand that I'm against the pharmacological sorcery poisoning of America. And I believe that God has put healing in the song, in the rock, in the stone, in the herb, in the tree, in his creation to heal us completely because we are made in the image and likeness of God and we have this incredible creative power to even heal ourselves with our mind through prayer. And they want to keep us sick and broken and in denial of who we are. Everything is about, look at me, if you're watching this, look at me. Everything that is happening in this world has one purpose, and it is to tell you that you are worthless so that you cannot fulfill the amazing godlike power that you have in your creative being that even some of the pagans understand that through our words and through our intent and through our prayer and even physicists understand that we can have an impact on reality, that we can change reality through the power of our creative being because we are made in the image and likeness of God and therefore we are separate and above creation and can do these things. So everything they're doing to you is to make you hate yourself, to deny that 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 made in the image and likeness of God, whether you are male or female, and to despise yourself and don't. Take that from them. You are beautifully and wonderfully made and you have the power to overturn this entire globe. You alone, you alone, if you understood the power that you have and he who supports and call you, you could shake nations. Fact. So everything they do is to get you to hate yourself. You're a virus on the earth. There is no gender. You're confused. You should hate yourself. You should hate your society because they know. 
not one of you empowered by the grace and spirit of God could cause a hundred thousand of them to flee because they're already defeated. Stop listening to the transhumanist lies. Klaus Schwab, may God arise and his enemies be scattered. Noah Harari, Bill Gates, Fauci, may God arise and his enemies be, be scattered. You are defeated foes already. 419 In church thou shalt confess thy transgression and shall not betake thyself to prayer with an evil conscience. Clear your heart. Church is about repentance and communion. This is the way of life. That's what he says. This is the way of life. So go back. Go back and read chapters 1 through 4. This is the way of life. You notice it's not just saying you know, faith, just disbelieve and you're good. It's saying challenge your life. Challenge your wickedness. Give to the poor. Love each other. Be a force for good in this world. Stop believing the lies. Alright guys, I know this is a little different show because I'm really intense. Because I've been watching all weekend long all of these people hating America, hating the world. All of these evangelicals that hate themselves, hate the church. They're apologetic. They reject everything that's Christian. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm like, where are the voices for this generation? And there are none. So that means it's up to us to not surrender, to never give up, to never quit, to challenge their lives and to stand up, whether it's from the right or the left. And we're going to make it through this book and I'm going to keep teaching you what the early church taught, what genuine, authentic, apostolic Christianity really looked like. So you can look at the lack of church you have or the the, the church you're in and listen to their doctrine and recognize that it's a Protestant cult and it is not the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us and save us. I'll try to see you guys on Thursday. Now that we got funding, I'm going to start pushing, pushing, pushing. I want to get through these books. I want to get as much out as I can before what's coming comes so that we can pray, we can prepare each other, we can strengthen each other, we can build strong communities in our areas. Join me for the next Last Day's Emergency Broadcast.